You're listening to This Week on NFL No Huddle, featuring the top interviews from this past week's show with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn. Hello and welcome to This Week on NFL No Huddle as we take you back through the week that was on the program. In this episode, Cordell and I will discuss the draft with Rob Rang and Matt Miller, take you round the league with Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports and Don Banks of Bleacher Report. But let's start by welcoming in Stephen Holder from the Indianapolis Star. Stephen, thanks so much for coming back on the show since Colts GM Chris Bauer conceded that Frank Reich wasn't on his original short list to replace Chuck Pagano when he was starting the process in December. And we know Josh McDaniels backed out of the job last week. What was the local reaction to Reich getting the gig? You know, I I think there's universal support for this, which is pretty rare. And it it may be less muted than it was for Josh McDaniels, because I think, excuse me, despite him being a Patriot, which doesn't go over very well around here, I think people were excited about the offensive upside that he might have brought, and people kind of came around to supporting that. But with, but even with Josh McDaniels, there were certainly doubts, and there were there was some there was some second guessing even after people had come to accept it. Here, I'm not hearing any of that. I just hear all positive reaction to this. And again, it's day one, or I guess day two now, and we'll see. But I don't hear any feedback that tells me people are. are concerned about this or have doubts about it. I mean, he really comes across well, and I think he he definitely won the press conference for what that's worth, and I think he made a great first impression. Steven, when you look at the time that Andrew Luck has spent in the National Football League, over the last three years, he's missed 26 games over the last three years. Most players in the National Football League, when they miss that much time, uh, they're considered either a liability or they're just not capable of being a starter or even in the National Football League, for that matter. Think of someone like a Sam Bradford. What would you say about Andrew Luck if he comes back this season um, and he not have the opportunity to stay on the football field and, most importantly, stay healthy? Well, if that happens again, then I don't think there's any real dispute about it. Uh, right now, the, the problem has been that his shoulder wasn't addressed at an earlier time. So that problem lingered and then it ended up costing, costing him, as you know, 2017. So if they can alleviate this problem, then I don't foresee Andrew Luck being a guy who's repeatedly injured again, but it's really going to boil down to, to addressing this once and for all. They have addressed it and it's really going to be a matter of, of finally closing the book on this injury. They can do that and turn the page. Then there's really not a lot of reason to be concerned about Andrew Luck, but until they do that, we have to always sort of uh, consider the jury being still out because it is. It, he has to take the field. It is what it is. Uh, the other thing is he missed 16 games last year with the shoulder. Prior to that, he had sort of the uh, lacerated kidney injury, which is kind of a freak injury, and I, and I, I get that it, it certainly adds to the totals of games missed, but I, I kind of chalk it up to, I presume, a one-time thing and not something – that he'll have to confront later on. So the shoulder is what it's all about right now for Andrew Luck. Spotlighting the Colts with Stephen Holder. Does a great job of covering the club for the Indy Star. Stephen, I don't want to be too cynical, and you're closer to the scene than I am, but I'll go back to last July, August. Chuck Pagano was indicating to the assembled media that you were part of, everything's fine with Andrew Luck. We think he's going to be ready to go. And here we are in February. Luck's still not throwing the football. So is it reasonable to have some doubts about a timetable moving forward? I think the the proper perspective on it is is to I always say show me don't tell me so and I think the Colts are taking that approach I mean look they're they're answering the question based on the information they have now and that information they have right now is the doctors are telling them we think he's going to be fine we don't think he needs another surgery but he's got to continue to to ramp up his throwing and continue to to really stress that shoulder before you can say that 100%. So I think they're, they're pretty honest about the situation right now. They can only answer the question based on the, the information that's currently available. Now, that could change, and they don't anticipate it changing, but it could change. To your question, uh, should there be concern? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to be concerned. Anytime the guy's been out this long, it's totally fair to, to be concerned about it. Uh, and, but what I also would say is that last year, I do feel strongly about this. Last year, coming into the season, I don't necessarily feel 
Well, Jim Mercer probably talked out of school a couple of times. <laughs> that I will admit. But I think I, I think that, that the general manager Chris Ballard and even Chuck Pagano to some extent, when they told us the plan was for Andrew Luck to play, that was true. Andrew Luck did come back to practice. So I think all systems would go until he ran into that shoulder soreness that caused them to shut him down. So he was as close as he's been to playing uh, last October at any point he since this shoulder surgery in uh, last January, it just didn't happen. They had to shut it down and kind of start the process over, and that's why we're still at it. So hopefully it's coming to a conclusion. Many players, Stephen, come into the National Football League and are always compared to other players. Andrew Luck came in, and uh, many may have wanted him to be the second coming to, to Peyton Manning and Indy, uh, but it hadn't fared that way. Do you think it's fair to – put that much pressure on a player's career when they're just coming to the National Football League and, and knowing that you gave up someone that was one of the best, if not the best in the game, for a kid that came from a system that was uh, built around running the football and play-action pass and throwing the football down the field as well as making plays with his feet. Yeah, look, it, it's, it's tough and it's not fair to answer your question at all to put those kinds of expectations on a guy. But I will say this, Andrew Luck, the one thing he doesn't uh, doesn't falter in the face of is pressure. Uh, he's dealt with that better than most players I've ever dealt with. In fact, if you think back to the first three years of his career, he has become a master of sort of the fourth quarter and overtime comeback. I mean, that was kind of his calling card. And the interesting thing about the the correlation between Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning, look, he's not Peyton Manning, and nor do I ever try to cast him as that. But what's interesting is that Peyton Manning, I think sometimes people forget, Peyton didn't have immediate success in terms of team success. It took some time. Those Colts teams went four years without ever winning a playoff game. Andrew Luck has has taken this team to the AFC Championship game. Now, they've had a lot of difficulties since then, but his first year they, they lost their one playoff game. The next year, he had that thrilling playoff victory over the Kansas City Chiefs, one of the biggest comebacks in history, you know, all off Frank Wright back in the day, ironically. And then the next year after that, they took the next step and went to the, the championship game and lost in the ring. So they have really, under Andrew Luck, they have really taken some huge postseason leaps. But it's just been the injuries, and it's been, I think, in large part, the team around him that has failed Andrew Luck. And if those two things can happen, if they can get him healthy and they can build a better roster around him, then he's got a chance to get back on track. But both of those things have to happen, and, and so far they haven't happened concurrently in the last couple of years. Stephen Holder from the Indy Star is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Let's address other roster issues. Frank Gore, 34, on his way to the Hall of Fame, but heading into free agency. So what does the Colts running back situation look like with the potential to draft Saquon Barkley from Penn State if they choose? Yeah, I don't anticipate Frank Gore coming back. I think he, he definitely wants to play this year, depending on the situation. He's kind of exploring his options, and we'll see where that goes. And in terms of the running back situation outside of, of Gore, they've got Marlon Mack, who was a, a nice fourth-round pick from a year ago. I don't think he's an every-down back. So Saquon Barkley, to me, is extremely tempting. Look, I am, I'm not one of those people who makes blanket assumptions about positions, you know, you shouldn't draft a running back that high. Maybe you should, shouldn't. I, I, don't, I don't look at it that way. I think you look at it on a case-by-case basis. And the question with Saquon Barkley for me, just a layperson, is what if he's Adrian Peterson, right? Do you leave that on the table? You know, just because of some sort of philosophy, that would be pretty stupid. So I think they have to at least keep their options open there. The other thing I'd say, though, is, look, Getting a pass rusher like Chubb at number three, it really could invigorate their defense. They've been searching for a pass rusher here in Indianapolis really since Robert Mathis's last couple of years where he started to really fade and, and show his age. They just haven't been able to do it. Like Freeney's been gone now for five, six years. They really have to do something about their pass rush, and I don't know that there are, are better opportunities to do it than with that number three pick. So it's really going to come down to do they think that the tantalizing potential of, of Saquon Barkley overrides you know, the huge, huge need and ability to fill it, 
that Chubb provides. So that's a tough question, and I don't know that there's a right answer. It really just depends on your perspective. Stephen, great information as always. Thanks so much for joining us again here on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, guys, anytime. You're listening to This Week on NFL No Huddle, and we'll be back with another great interview right after this. TuneIn has what you need and when you want it when on the run and on the go. Covering all musical needs. Today's hits. Latin hits. Country roads. Hip-hop beats. Supporting artists and the music they make exclusively on TuneIn. Welcome back to This Week on NFL No Huddle. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on This Week on NFL No Huddle, we're joined by Matt Miller, draft analyst for Bleacher Report. Matt, thanks for taking the time. I follow you on Twitter. Our listeners should as well, at NFL Draft Scout. I liked your tweet yesterday, which read, unpopular tweet below. I like Sam Darnold. I like Josh Rosen. I like Josh Allen. I like Baker Mayfield. All four have strengths. All four have weaknesses. We don't have to go to war over our guy. Has the draft, as much as we love it, and it's all-encompassing for you, become the ultimate land of hot takes because it feels like we put one candidate up and tear somebody else down in the process? Yeah, I think so. It's it's become this thing, guys, where you can't like one prospect and another. And I, I went on in that rant to say, you know, it's, it's almost become like politics where it's like you're I'm on one side and you're on the other and there's no middle ground. And we have to hate each other because we might disagree. So it, it's become this thing where – if, you like, if if Cordell likes Josh Rosen, but I like Sam Darnold, we, we, we can't be friends and we can't be respectful toward each other. And it, it maybe it's more so on, on Twitter than everything else, but it is, it's frustrating. It makes it tough to, you know, to look at things and try to look, point out the, the strengths of a player, because the way I was taught to evaluate a prospect was, you know, to look at strengths, what can he do? And then try to put him in a support system to do those things. I, I think it makes it tougher when it is so hot takey. Matt, when you when you when you mention the strengths of the player, does it also involve the team? I, I know they're going to the National Football League and they're going to get paid, and they have to do what the team says. But do you feel sometimes these teams are stretching, or they don't even have the coaching staff? Because if you look at Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson, the Rams moved up to grab Goff, Philly moved up to grab Wentz. Uh, you have Mahomes, the Chiefs move up on it and the Houston Texans move up on these guys, which means these teams were somewhat in the middle of the pack. But when you think about the teams that are the top five teams, like Cleveland, Giants, Cleveland again, Denver, as well as the Jets, because we know Indy won't take a quarterback, do you think it's fair to say these kids won't be good or or these kids may have a tough time growing because these teams are really just that bad and may put too much pressure on them to be like the kids that I just mentioned in the other places where they were much better teams? Yeah, no, I think a lot of it is situation, you know, and, and if you're if you're Dak Prescott and you get drafted by the Browns instead of the Cowboys, how good are you? Or Carson Wentz, if you're drafted at number two, if the Browns keep that pick and draft you, what's your story right now? So I, I do think that that's something we have to take into account. And I've, I've, all, I've said for years now, I wish that it, there was time to, after the draft, almost re-rank these guys based on situation because – Last year, we would have all said, Pat Mahomes to Kansas City is the best possible fit for him because he's not going to have to play right away, and he's going to be developed by Andy Reid and Matt Nagy and all the guys they have there in that staff. It's an ideal situation. If Pat Mahomes had gone somewhere where he would have had to play right away, I think we would be talking about a guy we're very disappointed in. People might already be calling him a bust like they did Jared Goff after one year. So, so much of especially with quarterbacks, so much of it is, is situation, environment, the coaching staff, if you have a coach who's willing to take a guy like Lamar Jackson and play to his strengths instead of saying, all right, man, you're gonna, it's going to be a five-step drop from under center and you're going to have to you know, make four reads and, and play from within the pocket. It's a lot different if you can get these guys drafted into spots that are, are going to just play to those great traits that they bring to the table and try to develop them along the way. Getting you set for the draft for the Combine coming up in a couple of weeks with Matt Miller from Bleach Report. Matt, I went to grad school at USC. That's not important other than I'm based in Southern California and watch USC play closely. So I saw Darnold's complete body of work. I like him. I don't love him. And it feels like we focus on flaws. So if I say Darnold, the quick reaction is going to be, 
way too many turnovers. How many of those picks and lost fumbles were on him? And what's the upside? What are the positives that we're not talking enough about? Yeah, I, I think his toughness. People are going to point to turnovers. I feel like context is so important. How many of those, like you said, were on a receiver run in the wrong route or on a dropped pass? Um, it, you know, even some of those plays where I think he likes to play a little hero ball, how much of that was on the offensive line not holding up their protection? And and so you try to evaluate with context and, and say, okay, if, if we can give him a good offensive line, this isn't a problem. And, and so the strengths there, I think, are toughness, poise, and just incredible amount of times that USC would get to the fourth quarter and go, oh, crap, we're losing. Sam, go save us. And they would open up the playbook, and he would make these miraculous drives. I'm a Texas fan. I saw it firsthand when you guys played us this year. So it, it, I think those are the things that you like, you know, that he, he can extend with his legs, but he's not someone that's going to expose himself to big shots as a runner. Uh, I, I think he has really good touch accuracy. And, you know, it's kind of like Deshaun Watson was in that when the game starts to get crazy, I think he just calms down a little bit. And, like, the more you hit him, the better he gets. You know, if you're going to hit him a couple times in the pocket – it's not going to throw him off his game. He's not going to get scared. And that's that's one thing that I love about him that it's such a cliche, but you really can't coach those types of things. You mentioned a runner, uh, Matt. Last year was the, was the year for the backs. I mean, you had uh, Joe Mixon, who was a question mark because of some of the off-the-field issues he's had there at Oklahoma. And he ended up going in the second round still. But you had Christian McCaffrey, Lennon Fournette, and Kareem Hunt, for sure, who were, who were stunning uh, this past season. You know, the league is a copycat league. What do you think happens to uh, Saquon Barkley with his opportunity? Because he's not just a returner. He's about as good as he can get as a back coming out of the backfield, catching and running the ball. He really is. I, I think he's the best back that I've evaluated. And, and I would think that it is a copycat league, and everybody wants that, that guy that could do it all. And I think Saquon's a lot like Ezekiel Elliott was without any off-field issues. You know, there are no concerns with this guy at all. And, and so the, the type of skill set he brings – as a runner, he's 230 pounds. He's probably going to run in the four threes. He catches the ball. He scored on kick returns. It was every time he had the ball, you felt like something electric could really happen. So I think he'll be a top five or six pick. You know, we got to see what happens with these quarterbacks. If there's a run on them, what happens in free agency? But he is one of, if not the best player in this class. And and it being a copycat league, someone like Sony Michelle from Georgia, who I think has some Alvin Kamara type traits, especially as a receiver and as an outside runner it could really elevate his stock. And and same goes for someone like Ronald Jones from USC, who is a, another great athlete with speed when he gets out in, in space. He can make big things happen. So players like that become a little more in vogue. But to be a runner in the NFL now, you got to be able to do it all. You have to be able to run, catch, and block. And, and this year we've got a lot of guys that can do all three and do them really well. Talking NFL draft with Matt Miller from Bleach Report. Matt, how about Josh Rosen of UCLA? Positives play in the pro-style offense, big arm, bright young man the negative is i think a lot of teams don't want to deal with what's perceived to be a very strong personality yeah i mean you you said it if, if you're just watching the film jo- rosen's beautiful I mean, the, the way he plays from within the pocket is prototypical it's exactly how we all draw it up it's how you coach kids to do it i, I think so, like you said there's going to be a, a wide range of opinions on him because he's opinionated and, you know, I, I've said before, if you're Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets, who's also the ambassador to the U.K. right now, you're probably not drafting a quarterback who wore an F. Trump hat <laughs> to a golf course owned by Trump. It, it just doesn't go real well, right? So I, I think that's part of the thing that you have to get over. And, and you guys know well, and Coriel knows real well, that, you know, teams want a guy to be smart, to, to be football smart. But they also want you to love football, first and foremost maybe more than your family at times. Uh, but they want you to have that family that you're going home to and not getting in trouble off the field. So I think that's, you know, the thing like Rosen, it's not like the kid's been arrested. You know, he wasn't tackled by a cop on camera like Baker Mayfield. He's, he's not gotten in trouble off the field. He's just opinionated. Uh, but as one, uh, as one scout said to me this year, you know, if you're, if you're two and 10 and your quarterback's tweeting about the president, it's not a very good day for your organization. That's just not attention that you need. So, I think that is something people have to figure out. There are some holes in his game too. He's also, a, you know, he's a narrow-framed quarterback that's been hurt every year, and I think at times he gets kind of stuck in the mud in the pocket and doesn't move his feet well. He, everything needs to be on schedule for it to work for him. But when it's right, he's able to make some beautiful throws.
Matt, appreciate the time. I enjoy reading your analysis on Bleach Report. Hope we can chat with you again as we get closer to the draft. Yeah, appreciate it, fellas. Have a great day. You're listening to This Week on NFL No Huddle, and we'll be back with another great interview right after this. What up, y'all? It's your boy, Jay Connor, co-host of the Extraordinary Negroes podcast. And in honor of Black History Month, TuneIn offers a variety of podcasts that celebrate the heritage, culture, and accomplishments of African-Americans throughout American history. You can listen to interviews and more with Larry Wilmore's Black on the Air. Just because the point really isn't about race when it comes to immigration, I don't believe so. As well as great podcasts like Another <laughs> Round. So I thought we could have a little story time with the kitty. Is that cool? So listen to all these dope podcasts and many more all month long right here on tune in welcome back to this week on nfl no huddle here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart as we continue on this week on nfl no huddle let's take you across the league with frank schwab from yahoo sports frank thanks for taking the time let's start in indy the colts have a head coach finally after josh mcdaniels backed out last week it's frank reich making the move from philadelphia i'm the biggest andrew luck fan in the world but none of us know if luck's going to be fully healthy and that division's gotten much better so how good of a job is the colts opportunity i just it's impossible to say that right now because of luck i mean it's how, how do you even quantify it you might be signing up to coach andrew luck and end up coaching jacoby Brissett. i mean and nothing they've said has been very positive. It's, you know, hey, he's coming along, but he can't throw football yet. Really? Like, it's, it's been 14 months since he last played a game. I I don't know. I, I'd i be very nervous. I, I mean, look, any NFL job's fine. There's only 32 of them. If I'm Frank Reich, I'm not exactly turning it down if they offer it. But, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what he's signing up for. It's, it's impossible to say what he's getting into. Without Andrew Luck, that's not a very good team. Not a very good roster. It's kind of a tough owner to play for at times. So, you know, if there's no Andrew Luck in the picture or he's not the same Andrew Luck, it's 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 not as good of a job as it looks from the outside looking in. You just mentioned not the same Andrew Luck. You know how sometimes we we basically dock players or start gauging players on on based on how they're healthy, you know, their health is. Sam Bradford, for example, there's many says that go out and say that he has a great technique. I mean, when he's healthy, he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the game but he can't stay on the football field. He becomes a liability. How do you start gauging Andrew Luck? Because over the last three years, he's missed 26 games and he was given 87 million bucks a few years ago. So how do you start creating a narrative around Andrew Luck if he can't get back on the football field? Yeah, and that's a tough thing. I always hesitate to call guys injury prone or whatever because sometimes you just get unlucky. Sometimes just, hey, uh, you, you, you fall the wrong way. Somebody falls into your leg. Well, whatever it is, you know, I mean, sometimes injuries are just bad luck, but yeah, the ability to stay on the field is huge. And look, they haven't helped him. I mean, he gets. We watch those games. We watched Jacoby Brissett this year. That offensive line just gives those guys a pounding. They don't protect those guys well enough. So when we're looking at Andrew Luck and trying to figure out, okay, is he is he now a liability as far as staying on the field? I, I hope not. But you know, the, like you said, the stats are there. The offensive line's not good. He's still recovering from this one. It's kind of a tough deal all in all. It's uh, it's not the, you know, it's it look, look like a very, very sturdy guy, but I think a little bit of the pounding he's taken is kind of catching up to him. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Frank, since Frank Reich has departed Philadelphia, let's talk about Nick Foles. One year left on the contract. Do you think he goes back to being number two on the depth chart with the Eagles, or is he an asset, and maybe the Eagles get somebody trying to blow him away, offering him a first-round pick, and he could be flipped and traded? I think it all comes down to what they can get. I think if you can get a first, I don't think you will. I think if you can get a, let's say, high second, you got to really think about, hey, let's cash in on this. And if, I mean, the whole X factor of this is if Wentz is healthy opening day. And it's, it's not a, it, 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 it seems kind of minor, but it's not. They're going to start three, four days ahead of everybody else because they play that Thursday game. So we don't know if, if Wentz is going to be healthy for week one, week two, week three. What if he's out a month? And then you're going to kind of kick yourself for trading Nick Foles unless you get a, a lot for him. I think we saw this season that, you know, the obvious value there is in having a really good backup quarterback. I don't think the Colts or the Eagles are going to just throw that away for a mid-round pick. It's got to be a really, really good pick. Otherwise, they're just going to say, look, our quarterback's still hurt. 
We don't know when he's going to be back. We're not going to just trade Nick Foles for nothing just because we have to. I, they're they're going to be very prudent, I think, with Foles, and it, it, it's going to have to be a very, a very good offer for them to, to pull trigger there. Give me a take on Des Bryant. You know, he was in a system with Tony Romo where, you know, Tony being considered as a gunslinger, similar to Brett Favre, someone he's idolized growing up, so where he would throw some of the balls up in the air and let Dez go and get it. Well, now it's more of that strategic style offense where it's the dink and dunk, where we see Jason Witten get more catches. We see uh, Cole Beasley get more catches. We see Terrence Williams get more catches to where now it looks like Des Bryant is washed up. He can't get it done anymore. How do you think they deal with him moving forward? It's going to be really interesting. I think Des has lost a step, but that doesn't mean he's he's not a really good receiver still. And I just wonder what does what does that receiving core look like without him? Let's, I mean, I don't I don't know if it's going to get to that point. But let's say he doesn't take the pay cut, and they just decide, hey, this is too much money. We'll let you go. Who's the number one receiver? It's, is it thirty six year old Jason Witten? Is it Terrence Williams, who's really never stepped up when Des Bryant's been hurt or whatnot? Who are we going to get in the draft? Who's going to be that kind of a number one receiver? Who are you going to sign who's going to be a number one receiver? The free agency is, is the last few years has been pretty weak at receiver because you just don't find number one guys out there. I just, you know, I think the Cowboys are in a position where they just really need to hope that Des Bryant takes his pay cut. And then, you know, he's still a number one guy. He's not a top five in the NFL guy anymore, but he can still be productive. He can still be good. It's just you got to temper expectations, and he, eventually, at some point, the Cowboys have to figure out a way to get, you know, a little more help around him, and, and maybe a guy who, who can be his successor. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber, chatting with Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Frank, how much are you buying the Gronk retirement talk? I could see him in the WWE making bad movies like Brian Bosworth, but to me, this feels like a ploy just to get more money out of the Patriots. I don't think it's that. I, I, he gets a lot of money. I, I don't know that Gronk is necessarily the type of guy who's that calculating that after a game, he's sitting there thinking, hey, if I play this card, I'm going to get more money. I just think that was, that, that's who he is, and and I think he was being straight up when when he was asked about it and said, I I think everybody goes through that if you're a football player at that age that's taking that kind of abuse on your body. You start thinking, I've got a lot of money in the bank. Do I want to do this again? I think at the end of the day, he will. He seems like a guy who genuinely loves football. He's still obviously great. I mean, he is still at the peak of his playing ability. So I don't think he's ready to step away yet. But, yeah, I, I think – you ask almost a lot of guys. I think you can ask a lot of different guys after their last game of a season, especially if it ends in a disappointment. Are you going to be back? And a lot of guys would maybe say, "I got to think about it." I don't know. I don't necessarily mean that. Think that means he's going to be. You know, this is it for him. But I do think he's thinking about it. And if he does step away, look, I get it. It's it's he's taking a, a lot of punishment on his body. And you got to start thinking about, hey, is this time for me to get out when I'm still, you know, able to walk away? This seems like now Frank is the lead for backups, right, when it comes to success. I mean, look at t- stories with Kurt Warner. Look at stories with Tom Brady, Nick Foles, Case Keenum. I mean, look at play. Look yeah. at Kirk Cousins when coming in for RG3. These two guys now are, are probably going to be on the open market. I know for sure Kirk Cousins, but Case Keenum, um, of course, the most valuable one of the two, of course, we know is Kirk Cousins. But why do you see Case Keenum having a chance to go? Because there is some sound coming out of Denver that they're interested in. Yeah, I've heard that too. I'm obviously based in Denver, and you've heard that name come up a lot of times when you talk to people. Um, I I don't know if that's legit. I don't know if that's kind of negotiating, trying to get the word out, kind of negotiating against Cousins a little bit to to drop his price maybe. Because if if Kirk Cousins is legit, he said many, many times Super Bowl week, I want to go for a winning team. Well, there ain't many winning teams looking for a quarterback, Kirk. (laughs) I mean, it ain't the Jets, it ain't the Browns. So, but the but getting back to Keenum, I think that, I think the Cousins domino has to fall first because, like you said, he's the most valuable of this group. Once he's off the market, then teams have to reassess. They, a team like the Broncos has to say, you know, we we got a really high pick. We can, we're probably going to be able to draft a Josh Allen or a Baker Mayfield. Do we want to do that or do we want to drop? I think I think Case is going to get twenty million. I, I don't see why not. If Osweiler got eighteen, if Mike Lennon got fifteen. After the year Case Keenum had, I, I don't know why he wouldn't get 20. I, I still think he ends up with the Vikings. I, I just think it's hard for the Vikings to to kind of step away from, hey, we were one game away from a Super Bowl, let's change it up and bring in a different quarterback. I think that's really, really difficult. So I think he ends up there. But if he doesn't, yeah, I mean, 
just the way, the way he played, you're going to talk yourself into it if you don't have a quarterback. You're the Jets, you're desperate, you're going to the Broncos, whoever. I think you're going to talk yourself into, hey, Case had a good year. Let's let's give him that twenty million and see what happens. I I don't know if that's right or not, but I th- I think he's going to get paid like you know he's a top a top ten starter basically. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Frank, if we're going to count other people's money based on Jimmy Garoppolo breaking the bank, derived from seven career starts, five coming in San Francisco, how much money is Kirk Cousins going to make this offseason? Oh, I assume 30. I've always assumed 30 because this is a really unique situation. You go back, I mean, free agency started basically in 93. We've never seen a guy like Kirk Cousins hit the open market. You could go back and look at all the history – Every good quarterback who's hit the open market has either been way past his prime, injured, not very good, and not as good as Kirk Cousins, or, you know, the team has some backup plan in place, right? This is not, this is just so unique where a guy who's 30 years old, who I think is a top 10, 12 quarterback in his prime, healthy, hits the open market. This just never happens. It doesn't mean Kirk Cousins is going to be the best quarterback ever, or he deserves to be the highest paid player in NFL history. But this situation is so unique that I think teams are just, this is a rare opportunity to fix your quarterback problems with just, hey, we're going to be spending a lot of money on one guy in free agency. It's tough, Bill, when it is probably going to be 30 million or in that range, but I think that's what he gets. Now, what I mean, the only thing that could really screw that up is, let's say he really is stuck on, I'm just going to go to certain teams that can win right away. Well, that cuts down your suitors. That All of a sudden, that takes... The Browns will have $110 million in cap room. That takes the Jets out of the equation. They're going to have 90-some million. If you, if you start eliminating those teams, all of a sudden you're stuck with teams that might not pay you 30. But if Kirk Cousins just said, hey, highest bidder, let's go, he could get 30 easy. I don't think there's any question about that. Frank, we appreciate you taking the time to join us again on the NFL on TuneIn. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate it. You're listening to This Week on NFL No Huddle, and we'll be back with another great interview right after this. Tune in, listeners. It's Fanbuary. It's Fanbuary? Yes, Fanbuary. That time of year when we get ready for life after football. NBA playoffs. Two, one, for the win! Yes! March Madness. Slam to And there'll be spring training. It's gone! It's a home run! NHL playoffs. Here's a chance! Block, rebound, score! And the best way to celebrate Fanbuary is by upgrading to TuneIn Premium so you don't miss any of the great moments in sports. Commercial free with TuneIn. Welcome back to This Week on NFL No Huddle. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We roll on on This Week on NFL No Huddle with Rob Rank from NFLDraftScout.com. Rob, always a pleasure. Let's start under center, and I'll give you a big-name quarterback. You tell me how much you believe in him, of course. I'll also point out a negative because that's how we roll in Sports Talk Radio. Starting with Sam Darnold, the biggest flaw, all the turnovers last year. Yeah, absolutely. He had so many turnovers, although I would argue that most of those turnovers came in the first month of the season, Brian, when USC was you know, kind of acclimating to the fact that they lost four of their five starting offensive linemen, including all Pac-12 left tackle and center. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest things. What I like most about Sam Darnold, why he is my number one overall rated player, and I believe that he will be the number one overall player selected this year by the Cleveland Browns, is the fact that he has the intangibles, he has the size, the arm strength, and the athletic ability that you're looking for. He is every bit as accurate on the move as he is in the pocket. And you mentioned something I think that's a, a big no-no for QBs, being a former one, playing the National Football League, of course we know. But when it comes down to those turnovers, the game in the National Football League is going to get much harder. And now you're playing with a team that's only won one game over the last two seasons. How does that fare for Sam Darnold, being that he is a sophomore, uh, I say stay for one more year, but many say because of dollars and cents and being a number one pick, you should take the chance. But do you take that chance of going to Cleveland? Well, I think that you have to. You know, I mean, it's what we've seen in the past. I mean, Sam Bradford is a perfect example of it, that obviously he got hurt after his Heisman Trophy campaign and, and still wound up going number one overall. Um, Sam Bradford, in my opinion, Cordell, uh, I think that it was a wise decision for him to, to jump early. Um, and I think especially if he believes that he does have a chance to be the number one overall pick because, you know, stop me if you've heard this before, but I think the Cleveland Browns are ready to pot. I think they could be this year's Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, <coughs> Excuse me, hold up. Sorry, pardon. I'm sorry, I was coughing. I'm sorry. I had a moment. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I hear you. 
I, I hear you. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the, the, the Browns have the money. They have the draft, uh, you know, the flexibility to be able to make an immediate impact. And unlike some of the past years, I really think that they have now the scouting staff in place, led by John Dorsey, but as well as Alonzo Highsmith, as well as Scott McLuhan, to be able to take advantage of all those draft picks that they have. Now, getting back to the point initially about Sam Darnold, what I believe is why he will be successful is the fact that he does have the accuracy, he does have the poise, um, and he does have the arm strength. I just think that when you look at USC, other than the running back, Ronald Jones, who is every bit a, a, a top 50 prospect himself, but other than that, Sam Darrell did not have the weapons that we're accustomed to seeing at USC. Uh, Deontay Burnett, far and away the leading wide receiver for the Trojans this past year, he made the jump early, and a big part of it was because Sam Darnold made that initial NFL jump. Deontay Burnett's a, a day-three prospect at best, and he was the best wide receiver Sam Darnold had. Now, if Cleveland finds him some wide receivers, then I think that whoever is the rookie quarterback going to Cleveland has a chance for immediate success. Chatting with our good friend Rob Rang from NFLDraftScout.com. Rob, the vast majority of our listeners probably did not see Josh Allen play a single down in Wyoming unless they caught him in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl game or what he did in the Senior Bowl. We know the quote-unquote upside, our favorite word, big body, big arm. Here is the negative, and I'm not a huge stat analyst, but even I can read a spreadsheet, less than 60% completion rate at Wyoming. Can you give me a precedent, Rob, because this is what you do full-time? Give me somebody who struggled statistically in college football and suddenly got better in the NFL. Uh, I would say Blake Bortles would, would be an example of that, that he had his one eye-popping performance uh, as a junior at Central Florida before making the, the big jump. And, and you could argue that Blake Bortles has not been very successful with Jacksonville Jaguars, but at the same time, he, he obviously wound up going number three overall and you know led a team that, that is now um, you know at least went to the AFC championship game. And this is a a good football player in Josh Allen. What I would say is most intriguing about Josh Allen, besides all the physical attributes that you just mentioned, Brian, is the fact that Josh Allen did improve as his career went on. And at the bowl game, famous Idaho Potato Bowl, as you mentioned, he was spectacular in that performance. And then in the Senior Bowl, and I've been going to Mobile, Alabama to scout uh, alongside all the NFL general managers and those guys, because 2001, I mean, my first year was watching guys like LaDainian Tomlinson and Steve Hutchinson there, and it's very rare that you see a player from a so-called small school improve every single day in practice and then carry that over into an impressive game as well. And that's exactly what Josh Allen did. And so it kind of goes back to the idea that this is a player that his best football is still ahead of him, and so, therefore, I, you know, I, I bit the apple. I, I believe that Josh Allen can be a very successful starting quarterback in the NFL. He does need some time, but the upside is there to warrant top 10 consideration, and that's where I think he's going to wind up going. I have him going number five overall right now to the Denver Broncos, who, of course, John Elway knows a little bit and scouted uh, Josh Allen in person at the famous Idaho Potato Bowl as well as at the Senior Bowl where the Broncos were the coaching staff. Rob, great information as always. Thanks so much for joining us again on the NFL on TuneIn. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. You're listening to This Week on NFL No Huddle, and we'll be back with another great interview right after this. Listen to your international news on TuneIn. Search under TuneIn News and catch up on what's happening in the world with CNN International. Welcome back to World News. Or go to the corners of the globe with BBC World Service. This is the BBC. And Jazeera News. This is Al Jazeera. So on the run, in the car, or anywhere life takes you, now you can listen to international news as it breaks on TuneIn. Ask Alexa. Just ask me Alexa to find your international news on TuneIn. Or search news today. Today's newest stars and emerging talent stop by TuneIn for intimate one-on-one interviews. Escape stopped by the TuneIn studios and talks about their recent sold-out U.S. tour and discusses the strip club culture in Atlanta. You have to go to the real, like, Magic City. Yes. Where you they have see, good wings. Listen, she's going to the strip club. She can eat, but that is not what she's Well, I go to eat. Search Escape to hear the full conversation exclusively on TuneIn. 
Welcome back to This Week on NFL No Huddle. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on This Week on NFL No Huddle, let's go round the league with Don Banks from the Athletic and Bleacher Report. Don, thanks for taking the time. Got to start in Philadelphia. What a unlikely run it's been for Nick Foles a few years ago, pondering retirement. Now he is the reigning Super Bowl MVP. Do you think based on all the uncertainty surrounding Carson Wentz trying to come back from the knee injury, he goes back to, talking about Foles, being number two on the depth chart in Philadelphia, or is he an asset and maybe Philadelphia could get a first-round pick for him if they are able to deal him in the offseason? Well, I mean, that's the question for the Eagles. Uh, it's certainly his value is never going to be higher. We know that. But it sounds like the Eagles are not eager to move him. I'm sure they're going to listen. I'm sure they're going to see if somebody blows them away. And I don't know actually what it would take to reach um, that category of being blown away. But I do think Nick Foles has already done the grass is greener, found out, he fit better in Philadelphia than he fit anywhere else. I think he's showing every indication he's content with whatever the scenario that would leave him in Philadelphia. He's not worried about, I have to start. I think he understands he's in a pretty good situation. To be clear, no one knows exactly if Carson Wentz's knee is going to be ready from week one. So in some ways, it makes a lot of sense for the Eagles to think about Nick Foles being left exactly where he is in 2018. It's just a matter of, I guess, if there's a desperate team out there ready to throw the sun and the moon at the at the Eagles. Don, when you when you when you think about this team, of course, with having Nick Foles in this position, and it's one that's, I mean, we've never seen one like this in a very very long time, right? Where you you go out and you make a few moves to grab your quarterback you wanted, Carson Wentz, he becomes uh, the, the 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 lead guy for becoming the MVP in the National Football League. And then Nick Foles comes off and, and does what we anticipated seeing Carson Wentz doing. But this team now is it's potentially in, in, on the way to being $9 million over the cap. How do you relieve that pressure, um, you know, in a sense, to say, okay, if there is a Nick Foles, we may be able to get a first and maybe a second round, Harvey, or a second and a third, and send him off somewhere else and get a few players to kind of alleviate some of that pressure. Do you think that may cause them to think about that down the road? Well, yeah, I, I think they have ways of getting their cap situation under. I, I talked to Howie Roseman at the, um, the Eagles GM at the Super Bowl, and he didn't seem real concerned. So I, I do think they have some moves that they can make, and they're not in a terrible bind. So I don't think that's going to drive the quarterback decision if there is any decision to be made. I think it's more Cordell, if if a team really makes an offer, they they feel like they just can't refuse as an organization trying to you know get better in the long run. Because I think in the short term, they know that they're a stronger team if Nick Foles returns this season. But um, it it really to me it shakes it sh- it, with with the draft being quarterback heavy apparently at the top with five potential first round picks. And then some names now, including A.J. McCarron in free agency. I think it depends on how many teams don't get a need filled and if there's any sense of desperation after, uh, after that, then I think the Eagles are going to get their best offer at that point. Taking you around the league with Don Banks, the athletic and bleacher report. He's our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Don, we know Jimmy Garoppolo broke the bank in the San Francisco Bay Area. All of that guaranteed money based on what he was able to do in a handful of starts. And he looked terrific, small sample size, taking over the starting duties for the 49ers. What does that kind of contract mean for Kirk Cousins? What do you think the marketplace is going to look like for him this offseason? I think Kirk Cousins will beat it. Um, that's my simple prediction. I'm not going to – I don't know how, how much he'll beat it by, but I think he, he'll beat it, and I think Kirk Cousins could be the new – not that it lasts long these days – the new highest-paid player in the, in the league. Um, that's just the way this works, and you guys know that. The, the last contract, the, the latest contract, is usually um, the biggest contract. And with the cap keep you know continuing to grow exponentially – Kirk Cousins is going to be incredibly well paid. What I'm again interested in is, does he have just two or three teams he really is locked, you know, focused on, and and or is it going to, is he going to throw the the field wide open? Because obviously we could round up the usual suspects. We know the teams that are likely to come after him. We, you know, we know 
that Arizona and and Denver and the Jets, possibly the Bills, um, all those teams that are looking for quarterbacks are probably going to have Kirk Cousins number one on their list. Cleveland's in there as well. I just don't know. It sounds like he has a pretty good idea, guys, of where he wants to go, how many, you know, how many teams he thinks legitimately he can win with. So to me, I think he's going to go in with two or three teams that he's real serious about. The rest are probably, um, probably on the outside, uh, hoping to get in the inner circle. We know we heard uh, Kirk Cousins mention a couple of times he just wants to win. Okay, and, and I yep. think those winning teams that you alluded to was one, let's say the Cardinals. Let's say another could be the Denver Broncos. And then a few other teams that uh, we may be talking about. Those teams are teams that are right now, they're going to have to give up something to bring in a Kirk Cousins with the money that he wants. In my mind, I'm thinking about, okay, if he wants a $70 million signing bonus, you have to look at teams like the Jets, who is $73 million under the cap, to the Cleveland Browns, who we know is $100-plus million bucks under the cap. Does this now cause Kirk Cousins to make a decision? Is it more about the money that I get? Because if that is the case, he's not going to go to a good football team or it's about winning games and maybe have to get a little less than maybe what the marketplace now that Jimmy Garoppolo has created what he's created uh, allow him to get. Yeah, you you know, the interesting team that you mentioned, Cordell, is the Jets. Now, they're not a quote-unquote winning team at the moment. However, they had a stronger season than anyone anticipated last year. The Jeremy Bates hire and bumping him up to offensive coordinator. A lot of people are reading the tea leaves as he's a guy that comes out of the Shanahan, Mike Shanahan coaching tree where Kirk Cousins is most comfortable. And a lot of people believe that Jets are, are a real strong contender for Kirk Cousins. I wouldn't have had him initially on my short, short list of where I projected Cousins to go, but I think the more – the more I hear about how much respect he has for Bates, and, and obviously there's where uh, the financial end works uh, with the cap room, and he might see the Jets as a team, um, you know, like last year's Eagles, 7-9 and nine to Super Bowl, or the year before um, a, uh, an Atlanta team that was 8-8 eight and eight to the Super Bowl, or the year before a Carolina team that was 7-8-1 and one to the Super Bowl. So we... You know, we're, we're putting the Jets, obviously, in, not in a winning program light, and, and that's fair, but I also think that Kirk Cousins might judge things a little differently. Don Banks is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Don, you took your tremendous snap judgments column to Patriots.com this year. So let's talk about Rob Gronkowski. Do you buy the retirement speculation? I could see him making the move to wrestling or trying to become an action hero, but it also could be a ploy to try to get more money from the club. Yeah, I, look, I... I don't think it's a total ploy, but I mean, I, I understand the injuries and, and the fact that he's got other options and maybe the concussion um, against Jacksonville really gave him pause about going forward in the game. I said all along, I think if I had to put a dollar on it, I'd, I'd say that he's, he's remaining a Patriot in 2018 and continuing his career. Cause I think he still has, the love of the game, and I think he still has things he wants to accomplish. But it's a legitimate um, discussion that I think he does have options that, that he can make a lot of money outside of, of putting his body on the line. So I don't dismiss it, um, but I think it's it's more likely that he returns than not. Uh, maybe in two years we're having a different discussion. Don, thanks so much for the insights. Enjoy the holiday weekend, and we appreciate you joining us today on the NFL on TuneIn. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Cordell. You're listening to This Week on NFL No Huddle, and we'll be back with another great interview right after this. Despacito? Yeah, we were on that before the Beebs even heard of it. Mi gente? Way before Queen Bay. We were already on it. Discover the next Despacito or Mi Gente track on any of our Univision radio stations from regional Mexican music and top-rated shows to Latin Trap and even Jackie Guerrido on the radio. Search for Univision here on TuneIn and enjoy a wide variety of flavors and stations. Welcome back to This Week on NFL No Huddle. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. 
As we close out this week on NFL No Huddle, we're joined by Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, thanks for taking the time. Let's start with the news that A.J. McCarron was looking for. He's heading into unrestricted free agency. What did he show you in his limited run filling in for Andy Dalton? How good of a full-time starter do you think he's going to be? Well, looking at the fact of the guys that we have currently in backup roles in the NFL, and I know it sounds strange me starting with a backup quarterback role, uh, there's not a lot of teams that have guys who can make plays uh, at that backup position. And A.J. McCarron has definitely been in that position for a couple of years, backing up Andy Dalton. And, and I'm glad he, he won his arbitration because for a guy to be stashed on uh, any team's roster, knowing that as though he can play and he showed that he can play, you go back to uh, week 14 when Andy Dalton gets injured against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, you know, A.J. McCarron comes in and shows us, you know, what he was able to do being a quarterback at Alabama. And for me, there's not a lot of people really believing in, you know, the quarterback and being able to go out and be a starter uh, in this league. But A.J. McCarron shows uh, everything you need at the quarterback position. He sees uh, uh, downfield routes developed from the quarterback position. He moves well inside the pocket if you want to go with the RPO type of offense. We've seen the Eagles be successful against the Patriots in the Super Bowl with Nick Foles uh, running that same type of offense. But it's all about ball placement. I mean, Cordell, uh, you talk about a lot on this program. Cordell is the only quarterback on this program. He's played the position, and he knows well. I mean, so often do we hear about quarterbacks, uh, guys needing to have that gunslinger mentality and a strong arm. But if your decision-making and your ball placement isn't there, then to me, uh, you might as well be a, a pro bowl, bowler, uh, if you will, with, with arm strength like that. But uh, A.J. McCarron, I'm, I'm glad he's uh, uh, open. He's hitting the free agent market. Now he can see what his true value is. Uh, we've watched Kirk Cousins uh, hold the Washington Redskins for ransom over the past couple of years. And for me, even though we don't have a lot of professional tape on Andy Dalton, when we've seen him play, you know, especially from my perspective, he's played the game well in the way that you want a guy to play the quarterback position, especially coming off of the bench in a critical situation and showing that he can actually deliver. Nick, when you when you look at the, the playing field for the quarterbacks right now, you got guys coming out of the draft, you have free agents that are out there, so the marketplace is, is pretty darn nice uh, for quarterbacks, but yet there's only so many spots that are available but this does put a premium on that position. I think A.J. McCarron, as you alluded to a second ago, uh, is one that's uh, – I think that's going to be cost-effective for a lot of football teams. While, yes, the money has gotten big because of what Jimmy Garoppolo has been able to do, and, and of course, we know what Kirk Cousins is going to have an opportunity to get – Teams are still trying to find that bargain. I think that's why it's going to be tough for a Kirk Cousins to go somewhere like Denver or Arizona uh, because while their teams are prepared to bring in someone of his caliber, they don't know for sure if they have to spend that type of money just because if they do, they would have to get rid of a few guys. But yet you see the Jets, you see the Cleveland Browns can be a team that can grab him. A.J. McCarron, I think, is in the driver's seat for the most part when it comes out to have a chance to go to a better team because they don't have to spend that much on him. You're absolutely right, Cordell. When, when the Washington Redskins decided that they were going to trade for Alex Smith, that kind of put Kirk Cousins in a tough situation, knowing as though the Redskins is off the table. Then it was, okay, well, maybe he links up with uh, Kyle Shanahan with the San Francisco 49ers, but they lock up uh, Jimmy Garoppolo for five years. So now there's kind of slim pickings. Yeah, it's either uh, the Broncos, uh, the Jets, uh, Arizona, or the Cleveland Browns. And then now you have to look at cap space. And the Denver Broncos, uh, they don't have uh, as much cap space as the Cleveland Browns. And if you are Hugh Jackson, who are you more familiar with, A.J. McCarron or a guy like Kirk Cousins? And for me, when I look at the fact that if I'm a GM, I'm not going to kind of mortgage my franchise betting on Kirk Cousins knowing exactly what you just said what am I going to have to sacrifice maybe on my defense if I'm John Elway to get a guy like Kirk Cousins? Maybe I go out and take a risk on a guy like A.J. McCarron, knowing as though, you know, I have a great defense. We will retool our offensive line. Our ground game has been uh, great with C.J. Anderson going over 1,000 yards last season. And then we have two bookends outside the numbers in Emmanuel Sanders and Demaris Thomas. So now we're looking at, you know, cost-effectiveness and being uh, effective at the same time because 
you don't need to have a gunslinger at that position. You need a guy that's efficient. And when you talked about the fact of saying, well, the quarterbacks that are available who are unrestricted free agents, to me the only guys that kind of get the, a lot of the buzz is Drew Brees and Kirk Cousins. And you can expect Drew Brees to sign back with the New Orleans Saints. And if he doesn't, that would be shocking. But, you know, going down that, that laundry list of quarterbacks that are available, to me you don't want to do that because you look at how much those guys are going to cost you mentioned another aspect of it. What about the guys coming out of college? They look great. You know, some, you know, talk Sam Donald and Josh Rosen, but once again, we're still talking about rookie quarterbacks that still lack NFL experience and you still need to develop them. But if you're a team that is built to win now, you go out and get a cost-effective quarterback that's either A.J. McCarron or you trade for a guy like Nick Foles. Chatting with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety who spent a decade in the league. Nick, you're a proud alumnus of the New York Jets. Way too early question, but you can handle it. Who's going to be their starter this season? Well, that's that's hard to say because right now they really don't know. Uh, you got you know Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg, but the guy for me is Josh McCown, uh, a journeyman in the NFL, but he showed last season that he can come in and lead this team. Uh, got got banged up, some bumps and bruises, but for the most part. He was the most impressive quarterback that we've seen for the Jets in a long time. So to me, from Todd Bowles, that's the guy that I want to start 2018 season with. But now you're still wondering, well, who's the heir apparent? You haven't really truly developed the backup two quarterbacks, Hackenberg and Bryce Petty. So you need someone else that you can bring in and now start to develop that guy to take over and groom them to take over for Josh McCown. But that's going to be a real tricky situation for Mike McCagnan and Todd Bowles, but that's definitely something that they need to do. But Josh McCown is the guy moving forward until they're able to develop another quarterback. Speaking of the quarterbacks, uh, let's go to a a veteran that's already established on this team and got paid very handsomely. Uh, Let's talk about Andrew Luck. Uh, Last three years, he's he's missed 26 games, and they bring in uh, Frank Reich, who, let's just say, hopefully will be able to to bring some life into the situation and keep Andrew Luck on the football field. What do you think he does when he comes into Indy to give him an opportunity to have some success? Because, you know, they need help, especially on the offensive side of football everywhere. Well, you know, this is was one of those, uh, you know, positions as far as taking over for a team that was, uh, uh, I think for, for me, was really trivial because they have so many issues on both sides of the ball. I hope uh, the organization and management uh, are really, truly committed to giving Frank Wright what he needs and the time he needs to develop the guys on this roster. But you just look at what you know Frank was able to do with uh, Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. Uh, you, you can say, well, you know, Carson Wentz and Nick Foles, they had Frank Wright, they had Joe DiFilippo, and they had Doug Peterson there. So that's three guys who have, have knowledge on the quarterback position that helped out. But when you look at a guy like Andrew Luck, we already know he's like Peyton Manning. He's a cerebral type of player. He processes information well. We know when he's healthy what he can do on the field. So it's about you know putting pieces around him. And the first part is you know solidifying that offensive line and finding another running back because right now Frank Gore is you know the elder statement statesman in that running back room, and you know. There's no certainty he's going to be back. So you need to be able to give a guy like Andrew Luck or Jacoby Brissett some kind of balance at that running back uh, position. But I have all the faith and confidence in Frank Wright that he can go in and he can, uh, you know, right the ship, especially if the organization is committed uh, to giving him the pieces and the resources he needs. Because don't forget, he was the quarterback who had that phenomenal, you know, comeback win against uh, Warren Moon and the Houston Oilers. So, uh, this is a perfect situation for him to actually make his name as a head coach, but there's a lot of commitment that the organization and resources they're going to have to dedicate to giving him uh, to make sure this team is really competitive in 2018. Nick, even if Andrew Luck is fully healthy and nobody knows that to be true, he went on a video chat the other day endorsing Frank Reich but wouldn't talk about where he is physically, and we know he still has not been able to throw a football. But let's say it's best-case scenario, he's back and looks like Andrew Luck again. Where are you slotting Indy in a division that's vastly improved? Jacksonville made it to the AFC title game. Tennessee broke through, got to the playoffs. And Deshaun Watson, before going down, was a revelation in Houston. Well, I'm, I'm going to put them still in the fourth spot, uh, B-Webb, is because 
you mentioned, you know, those uh, other three teams, they've done well in developing uh, their teams over the years. And uh, Frank Wright, he's got to come in and change something with the defense. And even if Andrew Luck is Andrew Luck of old, if you can't stop someone on the defensive side of the ball, it really doesn't make a difference. And uh, this narrative hasn't really changed. It was the same when Peyton Manning was there. It's the same with Andrew Luck. We're just, having, we're just going to have to score more points than uh, our opponent. So right now, until they show anything different, because what we know, when you go out in free agency and you go out in the draft and you try to rebuild that defense, things are not going to come together as quickly as you would expect. And then looking at what Jacksonville has been this past season, they're going to continue to be uh, a terror. So you have to make sure that you can match them on the defensive side of the ball because you're not going to be able to match them offensively every single game. Thank you for listening to This Week on NFL No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern time on the NFL on TuneIn. The National Football League is on TuneIn.